Hi, Jack. What's up? Hi, Jack. And hey, everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of your your quintessential your quintessential <laughs> podcast. Mop it up. Mop it up. We talked earlier today about calling it pup it up. Pup it up. If we get sued, it's pup it up now. Or pump it up. Pump up the mumps. Pump. Yeah, uh, we just watched. <clears throat> excuse me, we just watched. Follow that bird. Follow that bird. The 1985 first ever Sesame Street movie, and we will talk about that in a little bit. But first, Jack. Hey, Jack. <coughs> welcome back. Do I sound different? Uh, to me, absolutely. Because there's one thing that's very different. That's true. What is it? I got a mustache. Yeah, so Jack was away in San Diego for... Ever. Two months? Three, two and a half months. Two and a half months. Uh, and I was in Olympia, so we have been apart, and we haven't recorded a Muppet Up episode in a while. How sad. It is sad, and we tried to do it uh, like a week ago, and it was awful. It didn't work at all. We, we didn't watch anything, and we then... tried to do it, and we tried, that doesn't work. We tried pumping ourselves up by running around in the cold outdoors Didn't without help. any jackets, just some shirts on. Did not help us. No, we were really bad at it. We, yeah, it was embarrassing. Uh, we're not the best of podcasters, but we did just watch a movie, and we also prepared for this episode, so we have plenty of things to talk about. But uh, one thing I want to add that the viewers, listeners, are now well aware of is since Jack got back, he has developed a habit of loudly belching uh Constantly. Since I've been back, I thought I developed this problem before I left. I don't think so. Not that I remember. Not as bad as this? No, this is the worst it's ever been. Yeah. You did? There was a time where I remember you saying, mm-hmm. like, God, I used to not be a, a burper, but now I am. Yeah. And now I'm really bad at it. Last night I we watched Gangs of New York. And yeah, it's a three-hour movie, but Jack burped probably 37 times throughout the movie. And then we watched Freaky Friday all the way through. Lindsay Lohan. Following. Yeah, Freaky Friday, which was good. I loved it. Both. I liked it arguably the same amount. <laughs> I think I liked it as much <laughs> as I liked Gangs in New York. I think so, too. The performances were equal. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack in Freaky Friday is better. Yes. They talk about uh, the hives. Both uh, great cases of method acting. Uh, Jamie Lee and Lindsay Lohan actually switched bodies for the duration of the filming of that project. It was weird because Christopher Guest felt very uncomfortable sleeping in the same bed as Jamie Lee, who was Lindsay Lohan. Though not as uncomfortable as you might think. As you would hope. Uh, But he made himself right at home, as they say. No. Our next episode is going to be a topical one. 
because we just hit the other day the 25th anniversary of Treasure Island, Muppet Treasure Island's release. That's true. And we have some fun special guests. Two of them. Two of them. Who who you may know. Not know. <laughs> you don't know. Our friends from Portland. Yep. We're Again, just we're in Olympia, Washington. Two people. Uh, we live at... Thomas Street. 821 Thomas Street. Southwest. Olympia. 98502. So send us some mail. Send us some fan mail. Uh, fan art. We like art uh, from our fans. Yeah. Well, we get good. so much of it. I get so much of it. So, yeah. It's mostly just be, addressed just send, to me. Send your best stuff. They don't really please. address it to you because you're kind of the negative force on this show. Yeah. You're, the, you're the, the one people don't. The Bert to your Ernie. Exactly. So anyways, Jack's back. I'm back. And with After this newfound personality, I felt that it would be apt that we take a little quiz. Let's quiz it up. Uh, Let's see recently, how I do now that I have a mustache. Now that I'm the kind of person that yeah. grows a mustache. Recently, my father was watching, I believe, the Late Night with Seth Meyers television program. And the featured guest was John Oliver, in which I guess I didn't watch it. But they talked about the Muppets, and they took this quiz on which Muppet uh, they were. I believe then my parents took it, and my dad got Janice, mm -hmm. and my mom got Fozzie Bear. And we're going to take it right now live, Yeah. So because that makes for good good podcast yeah. content. So the first question is pick a pattern, picked, and we see six it. patterns. I am picking one as well. I, I can't really just, I don't want to describe what they are. I'm, I'm picking, and the next one is what word uh, describes your best quality? I'm picking my answer. Or we're not going to say what they are. That'll take. That'll eat up too much time, I think. Okay. Um, describe my best quality. Okay. Now what I'm if up we to get the same one. What word describes your biggest flaw? Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. This is hard. Biggest. Honestly, I I have chosen. I I Me chose too. my biggest flaw. I wonder if we're doing the same. Pick a drink. Hmm. I know what you're choosing. Easy. I'm choosing, hmm, that one. Pick a snack. Pick a snack is next. Um, oh. I don't oh. know. Well, it's one. of one. these is a leading answer, I think. One of them, and I chose that one. It okay. was cookies. I wanted, I love cookies. I, okay. The next one is, if you were a celebrity, what would you be famous for? And podcasting is not an option on here. And that's why we're famous, so. Insulting Topher Grace is not a choice on this yeah, so I'm I'm choosing that one, even though there was a few ones that were fun. Pick a show is the next one, which mm. the options are Black Mirror, Thirty Rock, The Crown, Mad Men, Friends, and RuPaul's Drag Race. I know what I'm picking. Oh, I do too. I got my answer. Me too. I what think did, we have the same answer. I got Janice. I got Rolf. What? <laughs> I did. I'm jealous of that, but I also appreciate that I got the same one as my dad. Though I know you like Rolf more than I do, I think between the two of yeah. us, I am the Rolf character. You are the Rolf. Character. It's because of your deep and raspy singing And voice. we both have uh, hairy upper lips. Just hair all over. I'm That's true. I am not a hairy man. Uh, Jack is. Uh, almost, hence the one who the, grew the mustache. Almost uh, disturbingly so. Yeah. From what I've seen of your chest, hair is on it. Hair is all over it. I have one hair, and it is on my rib cage, and it is ugly. 
when I'm naked, I look like uh, you know those slabs of shawarma. Yeah, I look like that. That's all hair, but you know it's like hair. Like to cut off a slice. You you might think you would. <laughs> you do not. Would have you ever considered shaving all of your body hair? No. Your well, chest hair. Well, considered it. Sure. Would, would I actually? Would you ever wax your no. chest? No. No. How? What if I paid you? Sure. And we filmed it. No. But only I get the footage. Sure. Okay. Well, that was our segment of what. Well, we, let's describe. Oh, so there's a little thing. It says, so I said, it said on mine, you got Rolf. You are cool personified. You are a kind soul and a generous friend. People always turn to you for life advice because you are not only wise, you are honest. Hmm. You are loyal to those lucky enough to call you a friend, and you go out of your way for someone in need. You're an easygoing, peaceful spirit who has no room in their life for drama. Now, I think that's interesting that they got all of that out of me picking that I liked pretzels best. I the was going pattern. to say pretzels, but I chose cookies instead. I got Janice. It says, you are a free spirit and a wise soul. You have seen and done a lot and have learned something special from every experience. You have a lot of creative passion, and that shines through in everything you do. You give great advice and even better back rubs. Disgusting. I give terrible back rubs because I fucking hate it. That doesn't I surprise hate, me at all. I hate giving people massages. That doesn't surprise me at all. It just is annoying. Yeah, I mean... I don't I don't have any opinion on it. You always have an open mind and an open heart. Mm. And because Maybe of that No, never mind. And because of that, you have an incredible electric and loving group of friends who would do anything for you. Uh, my group of friends consists right now of the man sitting right next to me and his name is Jack Hobbiger. The Rolf to your Janice. Yeah. Well, the Johnny to your test. I'm the kick to your Batowski. <laughs> I'm not thrilled about my answer. Yeah, but uh, I'll accept it. Okay. And uh, move on without, with my life without contest. Yeah. Um, without uh, conflict. Without. Muppet News. Muppet News. Without Muppet News. Contest. <laughs> Muppet News, Muppet News, Muppet News, Muppet News. Ding, ding, ding. It's time. Okay. <laughs> I have what? I have one bit of Muppet News, and it's I've been meaning to say it forever on this podcast, but somebody went to San Diego for two months. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was me. No. What? what? We did go... Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> well, there's some truth to that, <laughs> folks. Um, Brit from Flight of the Concords, also the songwriter of... Brett. <laughs> <laughs> they just have New Zealand accents. Brit. Brit. Brett from <laughs> Flight of the Concords. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Brett from Flight of the Concords and the songwriter for um, the songs in the Jason Siegel Muppet, Muppet movie, movie yeah. is developing an Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas movie, I believe. It's in the works. That's awesome. He's writing it and doing the, the songs, and I think that that's going to be awesome. I'm very excited for that. And us over here at the Muppet Up podcast yeah. would like to officially um, come out in support of this. 
And to wish Brett I mean, our 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 best uh, wishes. And and you know if you need any help, uh, we are around. And we're cheap. And we have a bevy of skills. Yeah, and we will work for minimum wage. I would work for a little more if that were an option. <laughs> hey, if there was if some wiggle room on that, I would love an hour. to get paid a little bit of extra money for that. Yeah, that would be nice. So anyways, sorry I called you Brit earlier. Um, but Water if, under the bridge. <laughs> but if you if you, uh, you no can think bang. of anything, uh, hit us up over here. And uh, you know our address. You, I know you're a listener. Um, so, yeah, anyways, um, uh, uh, enough of that. Huh? So, Jack, mm-hmm. do you have any Muppet news? Um, no. no, me neither. No. But uh, one bit of... Oh, I do have one bit oh, of Muppet okay. news. Oh, okay. At the time of recording this podcast... Yes. This is a huge bit of Muffin news. Uh-huh. At the time of recording this podcast, uh-huh. we're preparing to put out the first episode of this podcast. <laughs> so that I'm is imagining true. you're probably listening to this in November <laughs> 2021. And if we, that's the case, yeah. we are recording it in... Fe- fe- it's, today is February 17th. It's a wonderful Wednesday. <laughs> um, yeah. So just thought that we would put that in we, perspective. We might yeah. put it out this week, maybe next week. Who's to say? We have to but make not the this theme episode. song and do a bunch of other stuff. The thing about Muppet News and recording these podcasts the way we've been recording them is that everything is uh, months off. Uh, so what actually just happened is all of those shows went on Disney+. Plus. We watched six minutes of the first episode of the Dinosaurs show. It was rank ass. It was on me. It was disgusting, and th- there are characters in Follow That Bird that unfortunately are reminiscent of those dinosaurs characters that look so awful. And honestly, Brian Henson has done some terrible, terrible things to Muppets. <laughs> yeah, He's done some terrible things to the Muppets. Um another thing that we did sort of watch was we watched maybe the first 20 minutes of the Happy Time Murderers with Jack's father. Mm-hmm. A friend of the show. Oh, yeah. We'll have him back on soon. Yeah. He really wanted to do it. He loves it. Uh, the only other person that has heard this podcast as of right now. And Lenny. And Lenny, who is an enemy of the podcast. That's true. He tried to be on the show. and we That episode will not murk. hear the light of day. Uh, maybe to our Patreon. I have never heard the light of day myself. You haven't? I have not. It's gorgeous. It's a soundtrack to the movie starring Joan Jett. Is what it sounds like. You know what we don't do on this podcast that we should do more of? Sing? Not just sing, harmonize. (laughs) Okay, do you want me to start a note or do you want to do a note? I don't think either of us should. I think we should start at the same time. Okay. Should we count down or just... Yeah, let's count down. Three, okay. two, one, go. Three, two, one, go. Ha! That was pretty good. Let's try one more time. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Ha! We got worse. I thought we got better. We didn't. <laughs> one more time. Okay. 
Three, two, one, go. See, that wasn't harmonizing. I don't actually understand, like, what harmonizing is. Well, it's not octaves, is it? No, it's no, it's complement. And... It, well, it depends. It's okay. a complementary note. So, uh, yeah. So it's like if you're if you're singing like a G and someone else is singing a, a C, then that makes a chord. It's basically just making chords. Oh. That's stupid. It's beautifully, beautifully absurd. <laughs> I want to do Isaac's tracks. What? <laughs> you know good and goddamn well that that's not what it's called. <clears throat> Whose tracks is it? Well, I bought the record. Uh, yeah, therefore it's your wax. Whose tracks is it, Isaac? It's your tracks, Jack. Jack's, Jack's tracks. Jack's tracks. And sometimes I allow you to feature Isaac's wax. And this is luckily one of those times, but you're on thin ice. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jack, but I do have an amazing track for you. This is track three on the Stars Come Out on Sesame Street. This song is called Yes We Can Can. Let's hear it, Jack. Jack. I'm hearing a beautiful velvety uh, voice. Several velvety beautiful voices. I think this is a song that does not feature any of the Muppets, but it's awesome. So far I'm enjoying it. This record came out in 1975. I bought it for, actually, I got it for free. It was given to me at a record store because I sold them a bunch of records. But it is 98 cents, and it is completely trashed, and it came with no sleeve at all. But it's in pretty good condition. And our boy Johnny Cash is on this. Where's it? Here you go. All right, well, on the cover, I'm seeing a pretty abysmal layout. I like the layout. It's not exactly eye-grabbing. It's got Grover on it. Come on, Jack. Grover's there. Um, I wish that it was laid out in maybe a more visually pleasing way. Um, And then the back is black and white. Cutting some corners there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's cheaper. But fortunately, it makes up for it in its beautiful inside uh, flap here. Centerfold. We've got um, wonderful, uh, vaguely realistic... Uh, paintings of each of the uh, those each of those featured on, on the record, and a couple of photographs of, of the Muppets. Why they aren't all photographs or all paintings? <laughs> that is unclear. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They appear to be photographs that are 
crudely painted over. Can I see this? You may. Yeah, this does look like shit. Um, it looks like pencil drawings, colored pencil drawings that are really ugly of, yeah, of these artists. Which I just guess that they also wanted to save money and not take photos of them. Well, they're they're clearly on top of photos. Yeah. They have that eerily accurate proportions. Yeah. You know what I mean? The more I'm looking at this, the uglier it is. And the more I'm listening to this song, the more it is cacophonous and unenjoyable. That's true. I'd like to turn it off now. All right. Well, that was that was all right. There's other songs on it that are very, you know, full of Muppets. And there's like a weird, uh, I believe it's Grover and Johnny Cash duet. Maybe it's Oscar and Johnny Cash. I hope it's Grover. Does it say? It uh, says with Biff. Oh, it's with the construction worker. Okay. Who's also featured on the front cover at the top. There he is. I don't remember anything don't, he has I ever don't done. know about Biff. He's an earlier Muppet that... I don't care for Biff. No one gives a shit about. Um, but this being a Sesame Street episode, I felt like it was appropriate to play some Sesame Street music. Because I we're agree. watching a Sesame Street movie. I agree. We watched it. I'm glad that you did that. Thanks. I'm glad you had the foresight to include it. Uh, I didn't because it was the only option. It is Jack's tracks, and you came to me with nothing, and so I had to I had to come in and and that make it work. That is how that went. Yes. Do you have any tracks? I don't. Well, that was Jack. I, I mean, it's practically Isaac's tracks at this point. Mm, but it's but it's not though. In name, it is not. Maybe in practice it is, but in name it will never be. <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, I all right. I'll let that go, I guess. Good. Dick. That's the end of the discussion about it. Because especially if I tragically die early, not only <laughs> will you be haunted by my account on your... Uh, on your Hulu or whatever? Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. uh, not only will you see my name every time you try to prime it up, mm -hmm. you will also have to call this segment Jack's Tracks featuring Isaac's Wax. You think if you, you died, I would continue to do this show? Um, of course. Who do you want to replace you as the co-host? Is Joe Pesci still alive? <laughs> Joe Pesci is still alive. He is? Yeah. Uh, well, not him. <laughs> you wanted, do you want um, a ghost? No, well, if the ghost was an option, it would. I would. I would like to fill that position because I would have died. Um, I would like to replace me if, in the event of a tragic early death, or a death of old age, and we're still doing the show. Mm -hmm. I would like to be. Replaced. I hope we're still doing the show in our late eighties. That would be unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to be replaced by. Um, Chuck Testa. If I were to die suddenly and um, you had to replace me as co uh, for as a co-host, I what if <clears throat> what if you were to die slowly? Who would you want to replace you then to? Hmm. But you can say that after you do your die uh, uh, suddenly once. Slowly, Matthew Perry. Yes, that is a slow death kind of guy. He's a slow Which death Which means you guy. could probably do an episode or two together, Alex Trebek style. Yeah. Where it's like, 
Did they do an ep- episodes like a together? Passing of the torch, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, Ken Jennings would sort of be in there a little bit. That's a bummer. Waiting in the wings like a <laughs> vulture. <laughs> <laughs> Which is maybe what I'm doing now, and I'm gonna just do a one man show if you die. And that's what I'm doing. Uh, I forbid that. Well, we'll see. My second choice. Mm-hmm. Kyle Gass. Okay. The other tenacious D. Right. My third choice. Your dad. That's the least likely. (laughs) (laughs) He... I lost his number. Oh, really? I think I have it in my phone. I just can't get a hold of that guy. Yeah, he would be very good at this. He would be arguably... we know he's been... We we know. Okay, he... But, yeah, but if this was his show, it would be much more successful and much more entertaining, and people would like it more. Probably. Mazia! I think we should start talking about the movie we watched. Okay, Follow That Bird. 1985's Follow That Bird. Um, I have never seen this movie before. Me neither. I thought I had. Me too. It was very different than I thought it would be. It was marginally different than I thought it would be. Not That's not me saying I didn't like it. I did like the movie. I liked it too. I have... There's problems with it. Yes. A plenty, a plethora, uh-huh. sure. but uh, I did enjoy it, and and my review is positive. When it started, well, at the beginning, at the beginning, there is a confusing but entertaining song that is sung, the Grouch anthem. Was mm-hmm. that what he called it? I believe so. Where Oscar the Grouch just sings a song uh, with an American flag behind him, and all of these grouches come out. Uh, which uh, gotta say, I feel like I've been seeing a lot of that in the news these days. Yeah, boy. The national anthem sure brings out some grouches. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. So that had nothing to do with the movie, but it was fun. It and had it was an interesting tone setter because this it had movie some, some is something to do with the movie. It's a very American movie. This movie. It's about life on the road. It's about life on the road. So. It started, and I thought that it was uh, pushing a very weird message. Of? Well, just when the social worker came and takes Big Bird away to this family, I couldn't tell where the movie was going, so I thought it was a critique of suburban life. And it was like, this is strange. And I didn't expect this. I don't think it was. No. I think, well, really what I think this movie is was a way for these creators and uh, creative minds behind Sesame Street to take the characters of Sesame Street and take them out of an urban setting and put them in a more rural setting to relate to uh, another demographic of children. I think that's what it was trying to accomplish. I also think a large point of it, which is really driven home at the end, yeah. is it's about diversity. It's about it's about multiculturalism. Yeah, and it's about how uh, that is good. <laughs> I didn't have a point there. The great melting pot of America. But the villain of the film, Mrs. Finch, mm-hmm. I believe, the social worker, she is all about you. Dicks. She's a fucking racist. Yep. She wants. Uh, bird everyone. with bird. She wants bird with bird, although Big Bird moves in with the dodos, which are quite possibly the ugliest 
Muppets I've ever seen in a Muppet film. They kept they made like Donnie and Marie jokes, which were weird, and they had terrible voices, incredibly ugly, weird googly eyes. It committed one of the big Muppet sins. Yes. Of relying on too many full body characters. Muppets are yeah. about puppeteering, mm-hmm. not about dudes in suits. Mm-hmm. A well placed dude in suit enhances a Muppet film or, or a television show a great deal. And, uh, well, just a well-designed one, too. Sure. There is tons of puppeteering. Uh, exhibit that A, Big Bird, the star of the, sh- the, star and of the show. Snuffleupagus. Snuffleupagus, two guys. Two guys. Uh, wait, two guys in the suit? Yeah. Yes. Um, but, yeah, these were the ugliest, and that's the same problem with the dinosaurs. These just are it's fucking awful. suits that look terrible. It just looks like, uh, everybody looks like Grimace. Yeah, everyone looks like Grimace, even though... Uh, Grimace looks better. Grimace looks better because he was designed by very highly paid mm. uh, ad agencies. McDonald's. McDonald's. The Ronald, Mc- Ronald McDonald boys. So this movie was, uh, I think it started off not great, like 15 minutes in to 35 minutes in. That part was pretty weird to me because it was a lot of dodo stuff and these weird jokes and it was really ugly throughout the movie though i think it looks awesome i think the rest of it looks great some of the strengths of the of this movie which is directly in contrast with the strengths of most of sesame street Mm -hmm. was in its 2d animation inserts usually when there is animation inserted into the muppets especially nowadays Mm -hmm. it looks terrible and it really takes me out of the feel of the muppets but this it looked it so looked good great it was very natural and it, it like it faded was, in like beautifully yeah it, i thought it was gorgeous. it was used really strategically and, yeah. re- and and was really effective i thought it yeah i thought it added a lot i maybe wish there was a uh, two or two maybe two more uh instances of 2d animation they were kind of just in the beginning but they did not reappear. Though. That idea worked really well, and I thought it was great. Um, other than the 2D animation, I think this movie has great colors. It pops. It's shot well. It's fun. Um, uh, How many Sweetums are you giving it? I'm not there yet. Go ahead. I'm not going to give it no, Sweetums. Keep going. Don't don't mind me. I enjoyed the movie, and as a first Sesame Street movie, it is pretty darn good. It has a weird like Edward Scissorhands look when they go to the suburban area. A little bit, yeah. But I thought that worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. And if it had been more Edward Scissorhandsy, it would have been better. It would have been better. <laughs> yeah. I think if it kind of leaned more on the absurd visuals, that would be fun. But like there is still some crazy wacky stuff that happens in the movie visually, like when Bert and Ernie are riding the plane and there is the very clear North by Northwest Reference there. Which is a perfect moment for me to tell you a little bit of trivia. Go ahead. In the sequence yeah. where Bert and Ernie are uh, flying upside down in mm-hmm. a plane, Jim Henson and Frank Oz were actually flying upside down in a plane 18 feet above the ground. What? Yes. It's a fun fact. Whoa. They really were upside down. That's which, like low, too. Yeah, which like... Why? Just flip the film over. <laughs> it seems, <laughs> but it that's didn't what even they did. like. They what? Did. Yes. 
And a, another fun fact. How do they fit in? What the hell? I don't know. I don't know. That was according to the Wikipedia page. Um, uh, another fun fact. Uh-huh. The sequence in the barn with the two adorable children. Uh-huh. Was filmed originally, and later uh, the film was unusable because it was all scratched up mm. and messed up. So they had to return and reshoot it in the winter time. Oh. So they hand painted all of the leaves green. Whoa. And in between takes, they had to put winter coats on the kids. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. That is, I it is. would not have been able to tell at all. Nope. It looked very it warm looked and, and cozy. Looks good. I bet Carol was warm in his little suit. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he had a good time. I do. I don't know if we'll use this, but I do want to read you a review that I found on IMDb of this movie. I thought it was funny. The title of the review, A Liberal Movie Filled with Racial Stereotypes, (laughs) from Brett Doyle, September 14th, 2013. This movie starts off with Big Bird happily living on Sesame Street in the inner city in liberal and diverse New York City. Sesame Street is the pinnacle of utopia because it has a precise diversity quota. There are Indians, African-Americans, Hispanics, a minority of Anglo-Saxon European whites, and a diverse animal population. A group of birds come together under the premise that a bird cannot possibly, can't possibly happening living, this is written terribly, uh, can't possibly happening living with diversity. They must live with their species. They find a new home for Big Bird in the dodo uh, and dodo birds that represents Midwestern white suburbanites who are inherently racist, mentally inferior to liberal New Yorkers and don't associate with other culturals in Belleville, Illinois. Big Bird does not like his new home as it is impossible for a dumb Midwestern suburban white to be happy. So true. Um... There's more to this, but the last sentence I do want to read. Your taxpayer dollars at work to indoctrinate liberal stereotypes into young children who can't yet reach their own conclusions. Seven out of ten stars. Whoa. <laughs> That's a high rating. <laughs> what? That Seven out of ten stars. Surprising to me. Zero out of six people found this review helpful. I agree with them. Yeah, that's really a stupid take. And the thing about this movie is it has a clear message, but it isn't ham-fisted it isn't uh it's pretty ham-fisted <laughs> at the end at the end yeah it's pretty it's pretty i mean not not in a bad way but it's pretty on the nose yeah but i didn't feel like i wasn't rolling my eye. i mean it's a lovely message and no i mean it's not, it's not that kind of message you can't roll your eyes at no and it is like the the center point of what sesame street is about yeah that is what they what they do mm-hmm. so in summation well, before we get there, shifting gears for a brief moment to uh, director Ken gears. Quapis, possibly Quapis. He uh, your mustache directed, looks like a pile of Quapis. He he directed <laughs> Sesame Street presents Follow That Bird. Mm-hmm. He then directed two episodes of Freaks and Geeks. Oh, thirteen episodes of The Office. And is currently directing and producing a movie called The Shags. About the Shags. Whoa. Starring the girl from eighth grade. Whoa. So it's like a biopic. 
Oh my God. How many times, Isaac? You want me to say biopic? Yes, like a normal person. I feel like normal people say biopic. Uh, no, they don't. I've I've never heard anyone naturally say biopic. <laughs> Literally, everyone with a brain Both in a are high right. school diploma. No, it's not. Both are right. I'm guaranteeing. I there's no way it's that. You right. say generic. I do, and that is a fault of mine. And I admit it, and I have been working on it. <laughs> have you been? I bet you feel bad now. I don't feel bad because... I go to speech therapy. <laughs> That's why I know what biopic means. Biopic. In some, are you looking it up? Mm-hmm. The word is pronounced biopic, not biopic. How, do you, how, is, how are you reading that? B-I, all caps, and then O-P-I-C, lowercase. Not by uh, hyphen O, 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 uh, o capital hyphen pick. What is your source? All about how to at dot blogspot.com. <laughs> I say no more. Oh, here we, here we go. Here so we it's go. go. Here we go. Is your robot going to say it? Biopic. 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 In biopic. Um, we should use biopic. That <laughs> we should use that instead of bleeps. Okay. Use that the whole time. That's funny. Okay, so it's gonna be a biopic of biopic. the of the fucking shags. Yeah. Directed by Ken Krappis. Fun fact. That is a fun fact. I think that's very cool. Mm-hmm. When is it set to come out? Do you know? TBA. Hmm. That'll be interesting. I imagine probably also TBD. <laughs> What's the difference? Wants to be determined, wants to be announced. I feel like they haven't even determined it, let alone announced it. <laughs> well, of course they haven't announced it. They haven't determined it. Uh, uh, exactly. TBD makes more sense in this context because I don't think it's been... Maybe it has been determined. That's true. I don't know if it's been determined. It just is yet... Fuck! In fucking summation... He also directed Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, and he's just not that into you. Huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a pretty good repertoire. And his spouse, first off, is gorgeous. Wow. Second off, uh, she um, has done n- nothing interesting. How does she have a Wikipedia page? Well, cool. she's done things that maybe other people find interesting. But you don't? But not you or me, I'm sure. Well, I, I surprise you sometimes with my interests. Are you interested in Marissa Silver, whose literary work includes, after making her career in Hollywood, she switched her pr- profession and entered graduate school to become a short story writer. Her first short story appeared in the New Yorker magazine in 2000, and subsequently several more stories have been published there. Marissa Silver said, quote, I felt very strongly that the stories I was telling weren't the stories I wanted to tell. That what interests me, uh, human behavior, the nuance of character, the life that exists in shadows and moments, was not for the most part the stuff of film. I knew I wanted to tell stories, but I had a very profound realization that I was working in the wrong medium, end quote. Were you uh, titillated and or tantalized by that? I feel excited after hearing that. The New Yorker? Are you kidding me? If you were into that, allow me to read on. For graduate school, Marissa Silver attended a low-residency program at Warren Wilson (sighs) 
where she would later teach. Silver studied alongside Antonia Nelson, Robert Boswell, and Jeffrey Wolfe. Silver says of her teachers, quote, more than anything, they taught me how to read like a writer, how to understand how craft is used in others' work, and so begin to see how I might apply it in my own work. I think it's pretty hard to teach a person how to write, but you can teach them how to read. End quote. What about now? I found that super fascinating, Jack. I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> Silver published the short story collection Babe in Paradise in 2001. That collection was named a New York Times Notable Book of the Year and was in Los Angeles Times Best Book of the Year. What? A story from the collection was included in the Best American Short Stories 2000. In Whoa. 2005, W.W. W. Norton and Company published her novel No Direction Home. What? Her novel, The God of War, was published in April 2008 by Simon & Schuster. Oh her second short story collection, oh Alone With You, was God. published in 2010. What? And her third novel, <gasps> Mary Coin, no. in 2013. <sighs> she was visiting... <laughs> <laughs> she was a visiting senior lecturer at the Otis College Graduate Writing what? Program in 2017. Yes. And also uh -huh. on the fiction faculty at Warren Wilson College, which you'll remember from earlier, where she attended a low residency program. She was awarded the 2017 John Simon Guggenheim Memorial Foundation Fellowship for Fiction. Her most recent work, a novel titled Little Nothing, was released September 13th, 2016 personal life. How? Silver was born in Shaker Heights, Ohio <laughs> to Raphael Silver, a film director and producer, and Joan Micklin Silver, a director. Whoa. She and Quapus have two sons. <gasps> they reside in Los Angeles. Yes. References. Oh my God. One. Yes. Debut fiction, The Passenger, The New York Times, June 19th, 2000, page 114, access November 12th, 2009. To Agler, comma, Derek. <laughs> July 1st, 2010, quote, Marissa Silver, Piff Magazine. <laughs> There's nine of these. You, <laughs> I think you can stop there. Okay. Um, so, what a, what a lady. What a body of work. Marissa, my hat's off to you. Jack, that was incredible. And, and, and she married this low life who directs follow that bird mm -hmm. i mean it's apples and oranges but if you are comparing quapus is a idiot who only directed and produced 11 episodes of the bernie mac show and i i've seen those episodes and they are some of the worst some of the worst he directed the galentine's day episode of parks and recreation i love that episode well, if he, you're more of a Quapus head than you might think. He did a good job during that one. That That is true. Which which uh, which Freaks and Geeks episodes? Does not say. Well, that's a damn shame. Yes. Wait a minute. Yes. In 1983, Quapus directed Revenge of the Nerd for CBS Afternoon Playhouse, followed by Summer Switch for ABC's After School Special. 
Starring Robert Klein, Summer Switch is an adaptation of the novel by the same name, the sequel to a young adult fantasy, Freaky Friday. Well, there we have it. Full circle. We did it. We just made podcast history for having one of the most beautiful... Yes? Quapus's fourth feature, Dunstan Checks In. (laughs) Stars Jason Alexander as the manager of a grand hotel in New York City, which is owned and operated by a tyrant. Oh, my God. Hemsley Mold, played by Faye. Would you like to talk about Dunstan Checks In for a second and, and how important of a role it plays in our lives? Dunstan Checks In director is directing a Shags movie. That is awesome. Um, so I'm, we probably have talked about it on the podcast probably, probably at this point, but who knows? In case we haven't, Dunstan Checks In is our favorite movie. It's got to be. It stars a lovely orangutan. Alongside and named Jason Alexander. <laughs> Alongside Jason Alexander, yeah, Paul Rubens, yes, Faye Dunaway, mm-hmm. the little boy from the Santa Claus movies, and the big man from Beetlejuice, and the big man from Beetlejuice. Yes, it is a, a work blast of art. It is so fun, and for Christmas this year, mm-hmm. I got Jack a promotional poster, movie poster official movie poster for the movie none other than Dunstan Checks In. Which is, I believe, eight feet long. It is humongous. <laughs> it is so big, it's we do really not know where big. to put it. It's a movie poster. I mean, it's, it's what they put yeah. up at the theater. It's, it's huge. Big. Uh, but it is my prized possession. Yeah, it uh, cost $3. I, I couldn't live without it. I love it so much. The fact that Quapis directed Follow That Bird and Dunstan checks in and is going to do a Shags biopic. Watch yourself. Was that right? No. Biopic. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember it. They're so goddamn similar. They are not. They are worlds apart. I am very proud to call Ken Quapis. Ken, right? Ken. My favorite film director of all time. Yes. That being said, I'm giving Follow That Bird... Are we do, do we do it out of five or out of ten? We do it out of five. I'm giving Follow That Bird 2.75 Sweetums. I think that's almost exactly what I would give it. I was going to either give it a two or, or a three, but I think that that's a good place to put it. Two, it's yeah. the worst one we've watched on this show so far, yeah. but we've only watched the classics so far. Yeah. So it's not really that much of a step down. I still really liked it, but... It was a it was it was a if weaker it one. Leaned into ideas it had periodically, mm-hmm. like the two D animation, like the Edward Scissorhands esque scenery. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we didn't even talk about the fucking Waylon Jennings. Shit. Waylon Jennings is in it. Waylon and Jennings is in it and does a good does song. Does a great job. The does songs job. in it are great nowhere song. near as memorable as almost every other Muppet movie. No, but the music was done by legendary producer mm-hmm. and songwriter and arranger Van Dyke Parks. Yeah, and the music is really solid. It is good. I didn't think it would be a musical because the songs start, like, pretty late in the game. In the second act. Yeah. I mean, yes, it does start with the Grouch National Anthem, mm-hmm. but that wasn't really an indicator of 
the the musical nature of the film. But of course, it had to be. It didn't need to be a musical, but it makes plenty of sense. Uh, and the songs were solid. I enjoyed all of them. I wasn't I wasn't upset with any of them. But Waylon Jennings does do the best song, and it is a really fun moment where he is a turkey delivery truck driver. Yes, he sure is. And you know, he sounds great. It's it's Waylon. You can't go wrong. Love Waylon. This movie was a flop. It was. It, they, they did lose some money on they it. They lost yeah. some money on it, which is okay. It's a public service. Yeah, but it's a bummer because there really aren't that many Sesame Street movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, off the top of my head, I can name one other. Elmo Grabs Hungry. Yeah, I'm sure there's more, but yeah, I'm sure there's more. Either. But like, there hasn't really been a big successful no Sesame Street movie. But this one's good. And also, um, we talked about recently. That they're developing another Sesame Street movie. Wait, they are? You told me that the guy that directs those Portlandia episodes and... I did say that. I forgot. You're I right. don't know much about this, but... You're right. They're making another... That. They are doing that. And that's going to be great. I'm you sure know, you be. get a modern director like, uh, you know, uh, a newer Ken Quapis, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's going to be... Our generation's Ken Quapis. Yeah. Our generation's... Well, I hope is one of us. One of the two of us. God. You're the Ken to Only my Quapis. Only time will tell. What was his wife's name? Marissa Silver. Marissa Silver. One of us is the Marissa Silver, the published New Yorker author. And one of us is the Ken Quapis, the mm-hmm. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants director. And Only Time Will Tell uh, who is who. Quapis. Ken Quapis. Ken Quapis, Marissa Silver. Who is your least favorite Sesame Street character? I think we've done this. Um, no, we haven't. Uh, oh, Abby Cadabby. Oh, yeah, we have done this. Or Maybe. Rosita. I don't know. That's, yeah, we've done this. I and don't like them. Rosita is such a stupid take from you. And maybe Elmo. <laughs> Well, no, not least favorite. I like Elmo. Elmo's, you love Elmo. I like Elmo. You love Elmo. I love Elmo when used appropriately. You've sat me down and said, That's we're going to watch this Elmo well, video. I love the Muppets. I do a podcast about them. I don't hate any of the Muppets. Yeah. I couldn't bring myself to have such strong feelings against them. Do you hate the Dodos from this movie? Yes. Well, there you go. And there's plenty of Muppets, like uh, the... Dark Crystal people are technically Muppets. I f***ing hate them. That's stupid. You shouldn't hate them. Okay, I'm sorry. Thank you. I just don't like Dark Crystal. Yeah, but you will one day. When we watch it again, I'll probably like it. This is uh, one final segment I would like to do. Uh, I'd like to call it the goodbye segment. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the take-home segment. The the make like E.T. and go home. Sure. Um, and keep, keep moving, moving right along. Moving right along in search of good times and good news. With good friends you can't lose. This could become a habit. Opportunity knocks once. Let's reach out and grab it. Yeah. Together we'll nab it. We'll hitchhike bus or yellow cabin. Damn it.